0: Maddie's believes nature is beautiful, majestic, serene. But human nature is inventive, intrepid, reckless. Nature says, look how many colors I can fit in a sunset. Human nature says, look how many hot wings I can fit in my mouth. But human nature needs nature. That's why there's Maddie's All Natural Acid and Indigestion Relief, a drug-free remedy for human nature, available at Walmart, CVS, Walgreens, and Amazon. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
1: Okay John, Lauren here and I've got a story for you. This is the mother of all crazy girls right here and I wonder if you are gonna have any sympathy for her. Okay, so this girl might be the greatest con artist of all time because her parents are tiger parents and she lied to them about some crazy stuff. Not like once over dinner, but like years. We're talking falsifying documents. Anyway, you'll find out what happens next when you get into the story and there's a special twist for you at the end. Please cover the story of Jennifer Pan. Well, well, well come back to another episode of Talk Murder to Me, folks. Thanks. You're welcome. How was everyone's uh, weekend? It was a nice weekend actually. It was very relaxing. I'm glad. We took to the the, the we took the dogs to the beach We went to the bookstore on Saturday. We went to Vicious Biscuit. Oh, I I haven't been there in so long. The only other time we went was with uh, you.
2: Oh, yeah. And And, um, It was delicious. You know, there's one in Somerville now, too. Is there? Next to Halls. (sighs) Mm -hmm. It was delish. Well, I had um, a decent weekend and an even stranger morning. So, like, I never checked my mailboxes, like. At home. Mm -hmm. Like I have more than one. My one mailbox that I have. I don't check it usually because it's it's just spam, like progressive, you know, whatever, stupid stuff. But I was leaving for work today and something made me say, Jen, check your mailbox. I don't know why. So I did. And inside there was a package. So I opened it and there was no, like, like there was no no one I knew who said to it, it was a name that I didn't recognize from someone in Michigan. And I was like, okay, that's weird. So I opened it and inside was a package of the new Lady Gaga Oreos. Did we determine what flavor Lady Gaga Oreos are? They are vanilla Oreos. Hmm. They're just food colored, but they're good. Anyway. Or do they taste different? Uh, they're a little sweeter than like normal vanilla Oreos, hmm. but they're, you know, they're just regular vanilla cookies. I was like, oh my gosh, someone sent me these Oreos and I have no idea who this person is. And I literally went on like a rampage. I was like, oh my God, like how did this person get my address? Because I don't know anyone in Michigan. So where did this come from? Exactly. I was concerned for a little bit that I had a stalker. So I like even made a video on TikTok that was like, what is going on like with these Oreos? Thank you so much to whoever sent them. But how did you find me? And then I sent it to Tara, my video, and she was like, oh, those are for me. And I was like... (laughs) So good, safe to say, there is no stalker, which is a good thing. It is, but like my life was so exciting for two hours this morning (laughs) because I thought that I had this mystery on my hands, but I was also like as... It was still a mystery, (laughs) who sent it. I know, but... You know, I, I thought it was going to be, you know, exciting and not. Sorry, Tara, you're not excited. No, no, no. And that's not what I'm saying at all. I was so. I know what you mean. I'm so, so saying. thankful because I did want to buy those Oreos and I haven't yet. But can you not get them in stores? You can. Oh, you can. She just saw them and thought of me, which was really sweet. That is sweet. Um. So and it was also her birthday yesterday. So happy belated birthday. Nice. Happy um, birthday. But. Anyway, so yeah, so it was really kind of anticlimactic, but I w- really was excited to get them. Um, I never get packages in the mail, so but it was it was funny. It was it was an interesting start to the week. I'm glad you got your Oreos.
3: All right, so um, Nicole, can you tell us what day it is? This is coming out on Tuesday.
1: So, oh, to, if this is this is coming out on Tuesday, we have a treat in store for Ooh, us. What is it? For all of us? For all of us. What is it? I mean, for like most people, because most people love this food. Well, what is it? It's National Pizza Day! Oh my God! That's amazing. It is amazing. Pizza um, is one of the world's most favoriteest foods. It is the um, second most popular food only behind French the hamburger.
2: Shows. The hamburger
3: just because i edited yeah that's episode. true
2: for, in terms of fast food did so, you know that the original hamburger as we know it was created in new haven connecticut i did not know yeah that. there's a restaurant called louis lunch and it's very it's it's so cute and old-fashioned but it, it was very good simple but
1: well i do talk about the origins of pizza in the uh every day is a holiday episode so if you were ever curious about um how pizza got its start particularly the margarita pizza mm. Uh, it is uh, Got some interesting factoids in there And uh, about how much we consume pizza And all that good stuff uh, Most um, most people eat pizza at least once a week
2: Huh That's awesome We should get Benny's tomorrow To celebrate mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> But you know what it Doesn't need its own holiday Because every day is good for Surprise shots That's right Surprise shots Surprise shots we don't know what they are because they're a surprise. You know, I had a student tell me that there is a right and a wrong way to play the bongos today. He's, he plays percussion in the band, and I was just asking him about, you know, learning how to play the drums. And I was like, I play the bongos. And he's he like, yeah, he's like, there's like actually like a right way and a wrong way to do it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I've been doing this wrong <laughs> no, the entire time. Boy. Just don't, don't tell don't, me. Don't need anyone to tell me how to do my job.
3: Well, don't you have to be in a drum circle and smoking weed to play bongos?
2: Well, that's not what we do here. We just take shots instead. We're in a drum circle and take shots. Cheers! Cheers! Is that the praline? It is maple pecan. Ooh!
3: So, um, tonight's story is for one of our good friends and Taco Supremos. She posted it on the forum, and we're going to be covering her story tonight. So, this one is for you, Lauren.
2: Ooh, Lauren! we've
3: covered some of her stories before they're always excellent yeah
1: she's picked uh, some some of our favorites actually so
3: (laughs) i'm definitely looking forward to delivering this story this is kind of a large story a lot of the direction of the story i decided not to go down and we're just going to focus on one part specifically but i believe it's a really good story and thank you so much for requesting it lauren
1: Thanks, Lauren. Thanks, Lauren. Can't wait to see you soon. Whenever we can.
3: If this is your first episode, I put all my sources. Well, first, welcome. I put all my sources on talkmurder.com. You can go there and click on the blog post. You can also use the search bar to search for the, the number. This is episode 216. If you want to follow along with us tonight on video, this is on YouTube. And we're streaming this to put on YouTube. It's going. If you're listening to this right in the morning when the episode comes out, the YouTube video may be a few hours behind, but it will be there eventually. So be sure to subscribe. You can go to talkmer.com and follow along with the pictures and the blog post and, and all my links and sources like that. But for you guys on YouTube, this is Google Earth as usual. And this is where we're going tonight. Michigan. No, this is actually in Ontario. Oh,
2: across the
1: border, eh? hmm These houses are nice. Very nice.
3: Yeah, so this is two three eight Helen Avenue, that house right there you're looking at. Can you kind of describe the neighborhood, Nicole?
1: It is a looks like a very nice neighborhood. The houses look pretty new. Like two car garage, three car garage. They look like big houses, yeah. a little close together, mm. but very, very nice. Three
3: hundred, four dollars $400,000 houses or yeah, something. Yeah, wow. Like. At least. Yeah. I Even mean, down
1: here. In, in today's market, it's probably more like 500 Canadian dollars or. Oh, I can't do. I, I don't know. Our dollars.
3: The uh, house that you're looking at is 238 Helen Avenue, Ontario. The house is no longer for sale. It is off market. Do you see that girl right there? Yep. Yes. That's the house. She's right in front oh, of it. Oh, cool. Interesting.
2: So is you, she a player in our story tonight or is she no, just a I random person? I don't know who
3: that is. This was taken in 2018. So I don't know who that is, but you can kind of see the house. It's pretty nice. Got a two, go- two door garage And the house is, like I said, off market. I think the state owns it. Hmm. So we're going to Monday, November 8th, 2010. This is the Jennifer Pan story. Has anybody heard of Jennifer Pan? No. No. This is the 911 call that came in. Around 10:30 p.m., it was a Monday night, November 8th, 2010. Someone Help me, please. I
4: need help. Where are you,
5: ma'am? 238, how the I think we don't know. I don't have my parasol. Ma'am,
4: calm down. What's going on?
5: Some people broke into our house okay, and okay. they just showed all his money. I can hear my family okay, yelling ma'am. downstairs.
4: Okay, said, ma'am, ma'am, where are you? 238, what? Avenue. 238 Avenue Road. Yes. Can you spell the street name for me, please? Dad? Do you, Do you hear that?
5: Ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. Hello. Oh, I'm okay.
4: I'm Hello. Yes? Ma'am, I need to know your address. Avenue Row, can you please spell it
5: for me? Avenue 238 Avenue. two three eight Aven- two, three, Helen Avenue. My dad just went outside screaming. Ma'am,
4: can you spell the street address for me, please?
5: H-E-L-E-N. i broke broken and I heard shots like pops. I don't know what's happening. I'm tied upstairs. I, I think my dad went outside and he's screaming.
4: Okay, you're upstairs? You think someone's still in the house?
5: I, I, I heard them leave. I don't know if they're still around.
4: Okay, are you safe? From, can you lock your door? Are you upstairs?
5: I can't. I'm tied. My hands are tied. You're home. tied? I had my cell phone in my pocket.
4: Someone invaded your home, ma'am? Yes, and, and I heard they had
5: guns and they were holding me at gunpoint.
4: Hmm.
1: Wow! God right. damn, I could never be a nine one one operator. Who yeah. talk about
2: high stress? Yeah, no way I could do
3: it. She handled that like a boss, the operator. Yeah, yeah, she did
2: a. I mean, she did a really good job, but man, well, there are a couple of questionable things about that call. So I'm interested to see what you have for us, John. <laughs> well, what, Item number one:
1: she, how if she was tied up, how could she? She said she had her phone in her pocket. Which if mm. she was tied hands front or in her back, like I guess it's possible that she could access I mean, de- her phone. <clears throat>
2: it depends. Depends on where her phone was, how where, uh, her, t- where her hands were tied, <laughs> how tight the knots well, were tied. Well, she
3: could have been like, hey, Siri, somebody's breaking in.
2: Yeah. Hey, Siri, call 911. No, I'm just kidding. This is 2010. This is two, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um. What else? Also... Well, I wasn't sure if she when I got confused. I thought she was when they said, "Is anyone there?" I thought the operator was talking about the intruders. Yeah,
1: and yeah. And so she yeah. was like,
2: "Hello, hello." So I was like, "Why is she calling was, attention yeah. to herself?" Same, same.
3: No, so basically, what happens is ten thirteen on the dot, ten thirty, ten thirteen p.m. on a Monday night is October eighth, two thousand ten, and three assailants break in now this is a nice neighborhood as you just mm-hmm, saw mm-hmm, very nice in ontario and inside the garage for instance is a mercedes and a lexus hmm. so this is you know most likely from first appearances a targeted robbery you know for money for
1: money for, yeah. money, for, for money and money then they were yelling for in money. the house yeah
3: and then on the 911 call she actually says they demanded money and then she says, "My dad. I just heard my dad run outside. You can actually hear him screaming." Yeah. And then on the nine one one call, and then he runs outside of the house. After that, you can hear the first responders get there and go find her upstairs. So, anything else about that call?
2: Um. I mean, I guess like it w- were the assailant still with dad at that point when he's screaming. Oh no! They or? they left. So I'm wondering That's what's, what I couldn't tell either. One, one of them,
3: out. one of the assailants said, quote, we've been here too long and they left. So mm-hmm.
2: but was dad tied up? Well, I'm no, gonna let you dad get wasn't. To the...
3: All right. So this so the photo you're looking at right now, if you want to describe this couple the best you can, what what a nationality do you think this couple is?
1: Hmm really bad at this maybe
3: you're gonna sound really racist whatever you say if it's wrong
2: <laughs> they are asian
3: <laughs> what kind of asian i was gonna
2: say maybe filipino no i think they look chinese <laughs> <laughs> i'm being serious people in different cultures in asia have different shaped faces <laughs> This is true. They all yeah, look the know. same, and Asian
3: people would say all Americans look the same. So I true. Yeah, all white true. people
2: <laughs> All white people look the same. All, people the all same. black people look the same. <laughs> Everyone looks the same. That you're not. Your they own. look
3: all the same to me. I'm just saying they well, do. There
2: are some some distinct there differences. There are. If you if yeah, like
3: those basketball players that are like seven feet tall. Well, maybe.
2: Yao is was a was great Chinese. player.
3: <laughs> I'm sure. Okay. Anyway. This is a Vietnamese couple. Oh Vietnamese. They both grew up in Vietnam. This is Hui Han Pan, the 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 guy, the male, the father, and his wife Bik Ha Pan. B-I-C-H-H-A, like ha mm-hmm. pan. They have a daughter, Jennifer Pan, which was the 911 caller, mm-hmm. and a son who was at university. He was in okay. McMaster's University studying an engineering degree. So mm-hmm. he wasn't at the house. Now, this couple right here, they are, like I said, they're from Vietnam. He actually, I'm gonna give you kind of a background of this couple. Mm-hmm. Han grew up in Vietnam. He attended college for tool and dye and diesel mechanics. And this couple, both individuals were known as boat people. There's a real term that defines the Vietnamese and Asian asylum seekers that moved to Canada. This is after the Vietnam War and the fall of Saigon.
1: Gotcha. They okay. take mm-hmm.
3: asylum in Canada, and they move over here around 1975. Got it. OK. So they come over here to seek a new life. So with the wife, the same story. They got married in Canada. The main goal for both of them was building a great future for their children, just like every Immigrant story you hear they work really hard so their children don't have to but then what happens like they they still are that demanding on their children even though
1: they want a better life for their children than they had their own I think that's that's a universal thing perhaps a little bit more so if you're coming to another country
3: so as I said they had one daughter Jennifer Pan she was born June seventeenth nineteen eighty six she had a little brother Felix he was not at the house three assailants break into the home. One is screaming, quote, where's the fucking money? End quote. He screams that over and over and over. Now, this this is all taken from the police testimonials and the testimonials of Jennifer, right? That that's what they're screaming. Two parents are at home. Jennifer is upstairs calling 911. She is tied, hands behind her back. She is tied up to the banister with a pair of shoestrings. They're actually boot strings. <laughs> Han pleads, quote, I have $60 in my pants upstairs, but my possessions are worth plenty, end quote. He's trying to appease the attackers because obviously they want money, but he doesn't have money right there. As far as cash goes, he doesn't mm-hmm. have cash. He's got 60 bucks. His wife has 240 bucks. Jennifer has 20 bucks on their possession. The father gets hit in the back of the head with a pistol. Okay. Okay. Boom, clocked on the back of the head. He instantly passes out. He instantly goes unconscious. And then the attackers drag both him and his wife downstairs to the downstairs basement. And I'm going to put the crime scene photos on Talkmer.com of the crime scene here. So go there if you want to see. The mother screams, quote, you can hurt us, but please don't hurt my daughter, end quote. Hmm. OK, now this is from the Toronto Star, March 26, 2014, if you want to read this, Nicole.
1: Please don't hurt my daughter, Jennifer Pan's mom begged before she was shot to death. Ooh. One of the two men holding them at gunpoint put a blanket on his head and shot him, he said. He then lost consciousness. When he woke up, he saw his wife lying at his feet. Bik Hak had been shot three times. While Han Pan was shot twice, once in the back and once in the face, the crown prosecutors told the jury in her opening address,
3: "They're both shot. There's a total of five shots." And so
1: Han managed was still alive, even though he was shot in the face. Yeah.
3: So you heard him screaming on 911 call, and. Go back and listen to it. Maybe I'll put a little sound clip in here, but you can barely hear it. He's like, ah, yeah, and you he could hear. It, uh, for sure. He actually runs out of the front door. Wow. Oh. He has actually been shot twice once in the face and once in the back. Shoot. Yeah, so he, yeah, shot. He was shot twice, once in the back and then once in the face. He runs out after that with the two bullet wounds, bullets still in his body. Does he
1: live? Does he survive well, this
3: incident? We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. <sighs>
1: I can't I can't I know. wait. The suspense like, I is killing me. Han remains calm, resigned to his fate. His wife is hysterical. The assailant readies himself, aims, and fires. One bullet rips through Han's face, fracturing the bone near the inside corner of his right eye, grazing the carotid artery. The second bullet hits him in the right shoulder, exiting out the back of the top of his shoulder. The men turn their attention to his screaming wife. The initial blast from the firearm pierces the base of her neck. A second shot tears through her upper right shoulder. And a final bullet, this time fired at a close range, enters and swiftly exits her skull. A fatal shot. Oof.
3: And this right here, what you're looking at, is the the den of the house. And I'm going to show you a better evidence photo here, but I just want to show you the inside of the house, like right by the front door.
1: Okay, so here's my initial thought. If it's a robbery and you encounter, like, I feel like it is actually kind of strange that someone would break into a house f- when they know that somebody is home to rob them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So perhaps the intent was to kill episode 216. Here we go. you starting well,
3: to sound well, starting like to a true on. detective here. Well, so, so, yeah, that's a really good point. And we'll go ahead, Jen. What do you guys say?
2: I was also going to say, I know that the mom said, you know, you can, you know, hurt us, but don't hurt my daughter. I just think it's interesting, like, if they came into contact with the daughter, that they just tied her upstairs when they, when they took the parents and put them all the way down into the basement. They went to all that trouble instead of mm. just tying mm-hmm. them up wherever they were. Or, so
3: you think they should have killed her?
2: No, I'm not saying
1: they should no, have killed her. Perhaps the daughter is involved in some way.
3: You think the daughter's involved? I'm
2: i don't know i'm just trying to get some speculation Yeah, i'm just trying to understand the the thought process i just think it's weird that that if they're if they're gonna kill someone and i'm not saying that she should have been killed i wanted to make that very clear i'm just saying if they don't care if they're going to kill someone or not why wouldn't that it's a lot of work for the what they for what they did instead of just
1: For the outcome. Yeah. If they're going to kill everybody anyway.
3: So the primary detectives in this case brought up some of the same similar points for a robbery. That was a really good point. You said most targeted robbers, which means, hey, they obviously got money. They're not going to go into a home when they know three people are in there because something could go wrong. Even right you know even if they didn't want to murder anyone something could go wrong and someone gets murdered yeah now they're looking at life in prison instead of just a couple years a couple it is. years mm-hmm. most robbers they spend 6 years in prison they're out
2: but not only that like if they're going into a home where someone is home not only could something go Go awry and they kill someone, but they could end up getting hurt or killed true, as well. Very
1: true. Very true. They, the oh, homeowner could have a gun themselves. Yeah. You-
3: yeah. So, and not only that, there was actually hardly none of the possessions taken. There was cash still on the counter. The father said he had sixty dollars in his wallet. It's not a lot, but no. if you're robbing anyway, might as well just take it. There was two hundred and forty dollars in the mother's purse that was still there, and. Jennifer had twenty dollars. I know that's not a lot of money, but you're robbing this place anyway. But if plus you're... you have two cars, both a Mercedes and a Lexus, in the driveway, plus all the other possessions in that house—nothing was jewelry. Taken. There were credit cards. There were all kinds of stuff. There was uh, silver. All kinds of. I mean, if you're a if you're going to rob that place, if if you're on that show, um, where you take the you're at the supermarket and you push the buggy supermarket in, sweep, yeah, and then you have like sixty seconds, yeah. If you're at this house, you could fill that buggy up with stuff to to freaking steal. I'll tell you that right now.
2: Also, if and they, they didn't
3: take anything.
2: If they're just going for cash, even if they're not going for possessions, three hundred dollars in change is not worth again what they what they did
3: yeah and there's probably a lot of houses on that street that were vacant that night or empty that night and I feel like three robbers they would do a little bit of homework just and, to
2: see if anyone's home yeah. like that's not that yeah. you know but also it, I mean it's a nice neighbor, neighborhood so they could have split up and each hit a separate like house a as Home well. Alone situation yeah
3: what was that show we were watching it was like the real how home alone really would have went and and oh. what, what's his name, Murph, or whatever the guy's name is? One of the he robbers. It was American Dad. Murph,
5: death.
3: yeah. So Murph goes up there, and uh, Macaulay Culkin is like, "You're not going to get me!" And then he's about to do one of his stunts, and then that Murphy just pulls out a pistol and shoots him in the forehead. Oh my God. <laughs> That's, That's terrible. It's like <laughs> this is the real story.
1: But I mean,
3: <laughs> it's true.
1: Not Fuck. not inaccurate.
3: So. So here is the murder weapon used. It's not the actual one in evidence because that photo is not available, but this is a thirty-eight revolver special. Do you want to look at that? It's a uh, basically a cowboy gun to y'all females, right?
1: Hold on, Lucy.
3: <laughs> y'all call them special? cowboy guns?
1: I didn't realize that thirty-eight special was after a gun, but I guess that makes sense.
3: This photo right here is of the father. That's him getting Ooh. taken out of the crime scene oh, I hope I remember he, lives. he got shot twice yeah what you're seeing now is the murder scene this is where it happened this is in the basement so as i said the robbers took both the mother and father downstairs to the basement i'm calling it the daughters involved now the mother was on that blanket right there so the the blanket you're seeing there that blue blanket you see it right by a, a leather couch it's kind of like a little uh, den area in the basements, mm-hmm. and there's blood splattered all over the couch, which you're seeing there. You're also seeing blood splatter all over the floor. It looks like a, a massacre in here. The mother's body was lying on that blue blanket, and you see where the shots were. You see the evidence tags. Those were the three shots. That's where the bullets ended up. The mother Bikha Pan was face down in front of the sectional leather couch. She was wearing green, silky Winnie the Pooh PJs. She Aww. was soaking her feet before the intruders came. And that, because the, the first responders noticed that her feet were soaking wet. So that's why her feet were still wet. And the investigator of this case, Mike Stesco, this is what he says when he comes to this crime scene
1: there was a lot of blood it was real dark sort of thick colored blood it wasn't like the trail we followed down light sort of splatter it was thicker it was by her head and then she had a blue towel over her head
3: now this is the daughter she was the one that called 911 this is jennifer pan she was upstairs tied to the top floor banister she had a cell phone in her pocket she was her hands were tied up behind her back with a bootlace she had no bruises and I like to say there was no DNA evidence in the house or whatsoever the, all the assailants were using gloves and you know they kind of they didn't lose any hair or whatever there's there's and nothing found. how old was she well she's my age she's 34.
1: at the time so, so at the time this was
3: no this is 2010 years so she was ago. 24 okay. 24. all right and she she actually had no bruises on her at all,
2: not even from like any ligature marks where she was tied up.
3: Well, the the officer did uncut her, so she was tied up on the banister, right?
2: But like, where the, did she have any no. like for how long she was there for? You know
3: what I mean? No, I mean she was just tied up with a bootlace. It doesn't. Or she says, "Quote: I heard a couple of pops and I heard my mom scream." And then I heard a couple more pops. Now she gave an initial description of the three men. One was smaller than the other two, and one had dreadlocks. Now she did give a more detailed description here in a second, and I'm going to share that with you. But this is where she was in the house. What you're looking at now is the banister with the boot string tied up there. And you see, so her hands were behind her back, tied up on the banister.
2: I just feel like that's such a strange place to tie someone up. Like you could with a with a bootlace, you could you could you could use some force and like either displace the baluster on the banister and get down the stairs, or you can kind of mm-hmm. pull. Yeah,
3: but she's a she's a. What are they gonna? She gonna overpower three dudes with guns? Like,
2: I'm just saying. After they left her, I don't know. It just doesn't add up to me. Alright, here's her telling police
3: about the night.
5: The other guy had a gun behind my head and asked my mom where her purse was. My mom kept trying to get up and they kept telling her to sit down and so I didn't want her to get hurt so I told her mom to sit down. They were trying to find her wallet but she,
2: her English thinker, not so she kept saying purse. They kept pushing her down onto the chair. You know? Okay. So she was in the same room as her parents, and then they brought her upstairs?
3: No, no, no. She was already upstairs.
2: And then they brought the parents downstairs?
3: This house has a downstairs basement and an upstairs. Right. So they were just in the living room area. Uh Uh-huh. And then... And she's
1: on the baluster, so she can see
3: them. No, she is in her room and upstairs, in her own room. The robbers come in. They bring them to the basement, the two parents, and then they go up and tie Jennifer up... To the banister. And since there's three of them, they can do this quickly. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't have to all stay on one. Like, there was only one person up there with Jennifer. Does that make sense? Okay. To control her. Then you had the other two that was controlling the, the father and the mother. Now, one of the big questions about this incident that the detectives had Right off the bat is when they listen to the 911 call and they ask the same question you did. Hey, how can you call 911 if your hands are tied behind your back? Now, she was wearing yoga pants at the time and her phone was in her back left butt pocket.
2: Her yoga pants had pockets? Yeah. My yoga pants do not have pockets. Neither do mine, but so so I'm
3: kind of jealous. So here is her in the interview explaining how she did that and... Also, I need to point out, it wasn't an iPhone, it was a flip phone, so it's another added layer of difficulty.
1: Yep, they didn't have the fingerprint touch thing. Stand
6: up and turn around. Put this in the side that you believe it was in. Great. Turn around so that only, you're looking away from me. You're looking exactly like, now here is where the banister is. Put your hands back behind your back, exactly how you remember they were. Okay. Okay. No, and the, are you restrained from movement? How far can you move your hands from the banister?
5: They tied my upper arm Yes. around the banister, Yes. but my hands were bound together.
6: So your hands bound together, and this is the arm that's the, the strings wrapped around against the banister? Mm-hmm. Okay, so now how can you get to the phone? And how do you make the phone call? Nine one one, and do you talk down like that?
5: Yes, I'm yelling at the phone like this.
6: And how can you hear?
5: I turned the volume on max.
6: Yes, mm, oh no. So that's exactly the way that you're talking to her against the railing. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good enough. Sit down. That's
1: so good enough. The, Sit down. The hard the hard part is when she said so it harsh. was tied on her upper arm. Um. It was like the wrist, like you could kind of see it happening. So if I Mm -hmm. also demonstrate, if I do have something in my back pocket, get it here.
3: Yeah, but see, you're moving your whole arm. Exactly. You're actually tied up to the pole, the the banister pole. You don't see that here in the interview, which I think the detective, because you lose momentum or you lose leverage when you're tied up like that.
1: But what I'm saying is. It is the fact that my other uh, upper arm is moving
2: so much unless they tied it incredibly loosely. Also, when the first time when he says to put her hands behind her back, I want, I I didn't see the first time, but I did notice when like if she put her, which wrist she put on top of the other and if it switched the second time that she put mm-hmm. it behind her back. I didn't notice that. I was going to ask about that, but
3: so she didn't have anything to do with this.
2: I called, she does. I think I, I, I want to see what happens before I share what I thought. But I think that as soon as I heard the 911 call, I was a little suspicious. All right. If
3: you want to read this, Nicole, this is from Detective Al Cook. He was one of the interviewees. And I'm actually pulling this quote from the book that I read for this story. The book is called A Daughter's Deadly Deception. By Jeremy Grimaldi, he was the crime reporter that was assigned to this case, and he wrote this book about the Jennifer Pan story. So if you want to read this.
1: It doesn't take long before Detective Al Cook, observing from an adjacent room, notices something troubling. When Jennifer is given a tissue, it comes away dry. There are no tears. When she came into her first interview, obviously, yes, we were watching, he says. She wasn't crying. She wasn't very upset. She could have been in shock, so you can't rely on that as a piece of evidence. It's just something you look at, and maybe it'll mean something later.
3: I mean, people react to shock in different ways. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you can't really go off that. Here's her description of the robbers. Number one, robber number one, carried a handgun. He wore black leather gloves. He had a Canadian accent and then a contradictory statement he had a roundish, squarish face. Hmm. <laughs> Robert number two was running back and forth between the two other men. He had a long, oval face, a dark hoodie, and a bandana covered his nose, and he never spoke a word.
2: So, how can you tell what shape face he had if he's wearing a bandana?
3: I guess she's just seeing shapes. Like some people are colorblind, so they only see one color. Other people just see people as shapes. So a I don't circle. think that's
2: how that works. <laughs> yeah. but okay. Also, if she's from Canada, how like why would she state that he had a Canadian accent? Well, because a
3: lot of Canada has most immigrants. In this part of Ontario, it's mostly mm. these boat people.
1: Interesting. Okay. It's like the
3: majority Asian in this one area. Okay. okay. So, I mean, you look at the father that doesn't even speak English. One of them has a Canadian accent and the other one, number three, is holding the parents at gunpoint. He has a Caribbean accent. Now, she said she heard her mother return home before this happened after supper. This was at 9.30 p.m. She came home from her dance lesson that she does every Monday night at her church, which is why she was soaking her feet, because she's been up dancing. Jennifer had her friend Adrian over, and they were watching How I Met Your Mother and Gossip Girl. Then she leaves, and then at 10.13, which is 40 minutes later, this happens is when the door gets broken down. So I'm just going to break it to you. She she plotted this whole thing. Shocker.
1: Were there any intruders after all? Like, were there... Did she hire people or was that all... Like, did she do it all?
3: I mean, there were intruders. I don't think okay. she could mastermind this whole thing and... Do- I'm just, well, just stranger things
1: have happened. Well, (laughs) yeah, that's
3: a good point. There's CCTV video out there. I put it on Talkmore.com. It's not CCTV. It's like a home security system Mm -hmm. that captures the three robbers running in. It it also captures their car, their Acura. Yeah. Parked down the street. Hired by her or something. I don't know. Just let me get in the story. So this is the detective interviewing her. Now the entire interview with, now this covers multiple days that she came in is 10 hours long I'll put that on com if you guys want to skip through it and watch it it's a long one but this is kind of when the detectives kind of changed strategy and now they're saying hey we know you had something to do with this let's be honest with each other I've been nothing but honest with you here today and I hope you
5: can do the same with me I'm here to listen it's hurting you Oh, I need
3: to know the details I can't even say so she says what will happen to me but I can tell you one that's thing that's what she says is that we already know so you can't change that I wanted it to stop I know she says why didn't they stop I wanted to it to stop so there's mm-hmm. her confession
5: I did not know who they were
3: but you were part of the planning right All right, so a little bit about Canadian law. The detectives can't actually answer that question when a suspect doesn't confess but says, what will happen to me if I said I did it? They can't do that. That's why you heard the detective redirecting it, saying, I don't know, but we have to do this first. You have to confess first. They got to get the confession. They can't make promises and stuff like that because that has gotten a lot of, investigator detectives Makes in sense. trouble this photo right here is jennifer pan and her brother felix this is at the mom's funeral now the detectives followed her incognitus to see if she how she would react and she was crying but there's no tears they kept bringing that up no tears so do you guys know what tiger parenting is
1: tiger mom wasn't that a whole thing yeah. for a while yeah
3: all right. So, what is tiger parenting?
1: Um, it's not like super intense, like hardcore, do better type parenting, like so tough love.
3: the uh, The term tiger parenting was actually coined in two thousand eleven by a Yale Law professor, Amy Chow, in her best selling memoir, "Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mother." Tiger parenting is a form of strict or demanding parenting. Tiger parents push and pressure their children to attain high levels of academic achievement or success in high status extracurricular activities such as music using authoritarian parenting methods. The two principal rules, according to the Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mother, go something like this. Schoolwork always comes first. Children must always be two years ahead of their classmates in math. They should never be complimented in public. Parents must always take the side of the teacher or coaches above their children and... An A-minus is a bad grade. Holy tits, really?
1: Mm -hmm. Jeez. (laughs) They would
3: have freaking bought me a car (laughs) if I got an (laughs) A-minus. like, you sure? Uh, You you didn't fake this? (laughs) (laughs) And children should only be permitted to engage in activities in which they can eventually win medals, always gold medals. So any type of music. She was actually a pianist and an ice skater. She excelled in both. And she was... Straight A student in school. So, this story is. So, her parents pushed her. Pushed her. Hard. And a lot of times the tiger moms, tiger dads push them into. Push them way too far. They, they make them. Uh, they isolate the children in their rooms and make them do better. It's this whole. It's the immigrant thing. You know, they, yeah. they want to yeah, do I better. Can see it. Yeah. Which is great. I mean, look at the Americans. I mean, we're just fucking lazy. I mean, there's
1: definitely tiger parents in america for mm-hmm. sure yeah
3: yeah now this is from her boyfriend which she wasn't allowed to be dating anyone but his name is Daniel Wong
2: and she was 24 at the time
3: mhm she wasn't allowed to date boys and this is what he says
1: it's interesting even though we talked about her age before she looks so much younger mm-hmm. she looks like 10 years younger in those photos like look like she looks like a little baby you don't think
2: yeah, I'd say, I mean, she definitely looks like she should be in high
1: school. Yeah. Jennifer, coming from a strict Asian home, was not allowed to date boys. She was a figure skater, and she also played piano. That's why in high school, she really had no time for a relationship. It would be early morning skating, and then high school, and then piano or skating again after school. Her parents pretty much drove her to the path where there was no time for a relationship. Hmm. There were times I started to get serious about her, Daniel admits. But I knew in the back of my mind, we've been together for seven years and I haven't formally sat down or met her parents or just eaten dinner with them or anything like that. The only thing has been, hi, how are you? I couldn't call her house looking for her. I'd always have to call her cell phone. I didn't want to call because then they might yell at me.
3: One reason they didn't want Jennifer to date Daniel was because he was half Chinese, which I guess that's a bad thing if you're a Vietnamese. Hmm. <laughs> you're, hmm. which, yeah. <laughs> I don't see why. I didn't want to look into that, but they did not approve of that. So the father was a factory worker and hoped Jennifer would become an American doctor. Okay. With a great salary. Unfortunately, she wanted to become a music teacher which doesn't pay anything so eventually the father settled on her becoming a pharmacist so she has no say Mm -hmm. in it at all it's their choice she she's interested in music she's gifted at it she wins all these awards for it she wants to become a music teacher her dad's like no you're going to become a doctor i mean that's hard that's hard because yeah and now he actually changed his mind because she didn't like blood so now she was on track to become a pharmacist. So, yes, Jennifer did know all of the killers tonight. Now, in this episode, we're not going to actually go into the killers. I'll tell okay. you how they got sentenced, but I didn't want to go into all their backstories. It's
1: not They were like hitmen for hire almost. Yeah. They're hitmen for
3: hire. She knew them all, and they were common thugs. They were all gang members, and this is them right here. The three at the top and Daniel Wong is on the right. That's the boyfriend. Okay, so the three at top.
1: So they knew the boyfriend.
3: Oh yeah. Right. They knew him and they were dating for seven years, but they never I mean she's twenty four. She couldn't even bring him to the house.
2: No, I think she meant the killers. So the killers and the so, boyfriend. Oh, yeah, no, like yeah. They were so in she his circle. Met,
3: yeah, so they were the killers were in his circle and then mm. she got the bridge from her boyfriend now they were all in the drug trade so a lot of this yeah and this is a a wire case. so if you guys ever watched the show why the wire
1: fantastic it's all about
3: what's it about
1: Shit,
3: it's about drugs yeah what's it really about well it was the premise the wire
1: Wire wiretapping
3: wiretapping so it's all about cell phone wiretapping that's what the the premise of the show is and this was before This was like new technology back in the day. That show came out in
1: 1999.
3: Yeah, so it was like right when cell phones were a thing. The story comes down to one thing, and you're about to hear why she plotted to do this, but it comes down to an ultimatum that the father gives her, which I like to call old tomatoes.
1: I was just going to say that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) The father gives her an old tomato.
1: (laughs) And did she say tomato?
3: No, so the father gives her an ultimatum that is basically this because they found out she is staying with Daniel. Oh, for yeah. 3 nights oh, a week no. when she's supposed oh, to no. be in college doing her study for pharmacy school, she's actually not in college, she's working at a pizza joint.
1: Oh shit. She's hanging out
3: with Daniel. Wang, which is half oh, Chinese. Yeah, can oh, you believe that shit? Oh, boy. Oh my God. Oh, boy. Half she in, Chinese. She in trouble. Exactly. Working at a pizza shop, not going to college, her grades started plummeting. This was way before. It all culminated when they found out that she's sneaking around with him. Now, she's 24 years old, and she has a curfew. She's a
1: grown-ass woman.
3: Yeah. But the ultimatum was either you go with him or... Are you come with your family? And it's not if your parents are like, here's your ultimatum. You either break up with that girl and we'll continue to support you and pay for your college, or you can continue going with that girl and we're not going to pay for your college. That's how right. it usually goes. Yeah. 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 But in this family, the Tiger parenting family, it's here's your ultimatum. You either go with Daniel Wong and you are completely divorced from the family whatsoever you can never talk to us again you cannot hang out with us don't even ever come back you're disowned or you either break up with him for good and you come with us and then you never leave the house and you never see him again that that's the ultimatum they gave her
1: that's a pretty rough old tomato
3: That's a pretty bad old tomato.
1: <laughs> it's a terrible old tomato. Moldy.
3: So she started failing in high school, all our grades. This was in high school. She started failing, started hanging out with Daniel Wong. He's half Chinese and he's doing drugs. He, he is connected to the drug trade.
5: Interesting. And
3: okay. she actually doctors a University of Toronto um, acceptance letter
2: whoa kind of yeah. like that movie accepted <laughs> yes when they i made love that, that fake, movie she never school. actually
3: went to college at all okay now she her she family had
1: that charade going for that yeah long. for years
3: so she was living with her family Holy and tits the way she was living with daniel three nights a week is she told her parents and they were they believed it that she was staying with a friend at university, so she didn't have to drive all the way home three nights a week. So
2: wait a minute, so and she
3: was actually staying at Daniel's house, not going to college, and working at a pizza joint. So I'm
2: Whoa. assuming if her parents were supporting her under the assumption that she was in college, she, they were still giving where, her money. Yeah, yeah. Where is all that money going? Would they, did they send the University of Toronto like a check, or did they give it to her to pay? Like? They may have given it to her. I mean, her, she, she, she probably could have come easily come up with a reason why it should go they should just
1: write it to her and yeah. then she takes care of it or something
3: okay not all right you guys don't understand it wasn't just the university that she's saying she's good oh yeah classes are good she actually bought textbooks and would sit at home and highlight in them pretend that she's studying she would have conversations at the dinner table about her professors which were all fake right what? she didn't have professors because she, she wasn't in college she was a pizza she's girl she's just making it all up <laughs> she was working at uh this pizza
2: shop <laughs> i wonder if she this had is friends. perfect timing it's
1: national pizza day yeah
2: <laughs> i wonder if she had like friends that were at the university and they would tell her about her classes and she would copy the stories or something maybe or... Huh.
1: she's just it's all so did her parents ever find out that this was not real yeah
3: and that that was right before this culminated. Alright, if you wanna read this if you wanna read this, this is from the Vancouver Sun, july 28, thousand and fifteen.
1: When it came time for the University of Toronto graduation ceremony, Pan told her parents that there weren't enough tickets around and they could not attend. Ultimately, Ho wrote, Pan's parents got suspicious and began tailing her and learn the truth Uh, when she confessed her deceptions life in the pan household quickly began to unravel pan's parents placed further restrictions on the now adult daughter no more cell phone no more laptop no more clandestine dates with her boyfriend daniel wong while she eventually gained more freedom, Pan stayed angry. She thought about how much better her life would be without her parents, and so with Wong's help, she plotted to kill the two people who had made her life like house arrest.
3: So, hmm. Check this out. I
1: mean, that's a long-ass charade, <laughs> yeah, motherfucker. Th- she like, actually that made, is...
3: This is her Bachelor of Science from a university she never even attended. She made that on Photoshop. I should have got her to do mine. <laughs> <laughs> because you know you know university of phoenix they just photoshopped it
1: yeah i mean at least you know that you got it from the university yeah. so that's the nice thing so this
3: is from a prestigious school the university of toronto for pharmacy
1: i mean i mean
3: geez, bachelor so, of science in pharmacy okay, but
1: really think about this like Look, she, she had even, this charade for since she was in high school Falsifying her grades, her acceptance letter, college, her entire oh, no, no, no. college. Let, let me
3: step it up one one. And
1: graduation, that is at least a five year short. Let, let
3: me let me step it up Especially one more thing. Well, let me step it up one more level for you. So this is her diploma from University of Toronto. She actually never graduated high school. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> She was fa- at like her junior and senior year. Her grades plummeted, so she was faking her report cards. So, so, so did that she attend graduation? Those A minuses were really D's and F's, and then she dropped out. <gasps> she didn't attend her graduation at her uh, ceremony. Here, you heard. I mean, how are you going to fake? That? How are you going to fake graduating from university? Well, all the seats were sold out. That's what she tells her parents, and then. My favorite. Well, can we see the pictures? Oh, no, there are pictures. But my friend had to go back to to China and she has them on her camera. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't get them before she left.
2: (laughs) But how about high school, though? How did she get out of that? I know, right?
3: I don't know. I guess they just didn't go to the graduation because she didn't. She didn't graduate. She never graduated high school. Wow. And then she started moving in with Wong. So she was faking this whole charade. This is crazy. Yeah, no. That's a
1: that is a long game, man. I know. You can't keep that up. You cannot keep that up
2: with your parents. Yeah,
3: mad respect. Holy shit. No. <laughs> <That> <laughs>
2: where I was going with that, but I okay. think the only thing that like I've hidden from my parents is the fact that I had a party one time when they were gone. Like, I never did that. Like, and it was even after high school. It was it was in college, and then my sister was like trying to hold it over my head for like, the longest time, but. But yeah. Damn. No, this is it,
3: man. I mean, that's all photoshopped. Crazy.
2: Wow. <laughs> and by party, that's, I meant there were five people. That's
3: tiger parenting, man.
1: I don't blame like I don't blame that shit on tiger parenting, though. Like she's the one who f-
3: yeah. failed so, out of
1: school. So and- in the
3: book, the book, um, there are a lot of reporters in the in the trial and the book was talking about they also had tiger parents and so i remember the author was saying uh one of the reporters a s- successful reporter same thing asian uh, boat boat mm-hmm. people parents she came out of the courtroom and she said that's nothing you should have seen what my dad did to me
1: <laughs> so, well i mean saying. it's like I, uh,
3: I mean she she was basically uh, a lot of the trial was her in isolation
1: i yeah, you know. that, that it is hard and there's helicopter parents and whatever. And and I know that like when the whole tiger parenting phrase came out, like that was a big, you know, yeah. Ooh. everyone had like horror stories about their mm-hmm. parents. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, like your parents are pushing you. They're pushing you to do better and to reach for something that you otherwise maybe wouldn't and like (sighs) i get that it's a lot i'm not i'm not saying like you should do all the things that they did and choose her career for her there's a balance
3: well it's i think it's same in canada but seven years for pharmacy school
1: Uh, i think you're missing the point of what it is that i'm saying no i'm
3: saying she was doing this well in high school She was changing her grades. She never graduated. But then after that, another seven years. Right.
1: She was planning on doing that charade for that long. Yeah. Sorry. I was. But what what I'm saying is, like, at the end of the day, like, I don't think it's wrong for a parent to push a child to get good grades and to do good things. I don't
3: don't know. If I have kids, I don't know where they are or who they're they are.
1: Well, that's good. Hopefully they don't come knocking on
3: our door. <laughs> and and which which is great because that means I'm not a tiger parent cuz I just don't know if they're even out there. Yeah, that's
1: a different thing altogether, <laughs> but
3: <laughs> I'm more of a absentee parent. <laughs> All right, if you want to read this, this is from her, this is her own quote.
1: The choice was living out on my own with Daniel or staying at home with my parents, she says. Living like that was okay. It wasn't the best feeling in the world because I always felt trapped. But it's what I chose to be with my family. Family always comes first. Until you decide to murder them.
3: (laughs) I know. So she did choose her family, but... But she really didn't. She chose that as a part of the charade. Oh, I forgot to mention the dad's alive. Oh, good. Yeah, so, good. yeah, I probably should have mentioned that. The dad actually survived, which she didn't count on, because that threw a whole wrench in the plan. Do you remember the 911 call where he runs out of the house? Mm-hmm. What kind of father runs out of the house without their daughter? So the father it's testified in court that she could, because he was supposed to be dead, he could actually hear upstairs the daughter being Buddy, buddy and friendly with the the one of the robbers. Oh. He could hear the whole thing the whole time. Oh, and shit. the mother, the mother was actually just collateral damage because the mother really wasn't a tiger parent. She was the one always sticking up for Jennifer, uh-huh. always telling the dad, you go, you're too hard on her. Just let her see this guy. So what's really fucked up is that the mother that she would plan to kill the mother in all this. But she really wanted to kill both of them. Yes, yeah, fucked up. Anyway, this from the National Post. March- so
1: did he, um so he realized while this was going down. Yeah, that, that this was her that daughter. this was planned by her.
3: Yeah. Wow. But it took him a few weeks. So when you saw the first police interview, he was still in a, a medically induced coma Shit. for a couple weeks. Then he comes out and he's like, she did it. Basically, so think about that. I mean, you just you destroyed your whole family.
1: I mean, she would not have gotten very far without that too. Once the police started digging into her background, oh, I went to University of Toronto. Quick check, no, you didn't. She
3: may have gotten away with it if she was a little smarter because they,
1: yeah, by graduating high school. No, I'm saying by college.
3: If the dad would have died, I think she may have had a good chance, and if she would have done better because there was I, I can't remember the exact number but i believe there was over a million texts through through all these drug dealers and, and everything that were intercepted by these detectives it, it was a maybe it was a million bytes of data or whatever. Oh. It was a large quantity of text messages and these are all from burner phones. So the the whole book is like watching the wire. They take you through how they're trying to trace and link up these gang members cuz they don't have the gang members the the guys you saw the killers, they don't use their real names anywhere, you know? And they're always using burner phones. So she was texting all these random numbers on her other phone which was her iPhone, because she was only allowed to have a a flip phone, which she called 911 on. But her iPhone, if she would have destroyed, well, she destroyed the SIM card, but she didn't realize those text messages are saved in whatever hosting, you know, AT&T or Verizon or whatever. But if they couldn't have got those messages, I believe she would have got walk free.
1: Uh, And and I'm going to show you why right Uh, here.
3: But let let me talk about another motive. So she's going to kill her parents and then what? Like just go be a pizza girl all of her life well she She gets the money yeah so there you go and this is from the national post march 26 2014
1: you have to wait until i'm dead at the time of the attack, after decades of hard work in the auto parts industry, the couple had paid off their Markham house, managed some decent savings. They were, with the house and life insurance worth close to $1 million, raised Jennifer and her younger brother, Felix, and were putting them both through university. Hmm. Each
3: sibling would have gotten five hundred grand. Now, Felix, the brother, didn't even know about the life insurance policy, but she did. Because she has to pay off these killers. This is a contract hit. The kill was for $10,000. That was the Not agreed price of the hit. Both parents, $5,000 a head. That was their price to kill her both parents and then make it look like a suicide. That was the hit. Now, this, do you think this story is crazy? And it is. But there's a twist. So she sits in prison for three years, and then she goes to trial.
2: Wait, I have a question. What? So they were supposed to make it look like a suicide. So if if the no dad- no, it was
3: supposed to make it look like a murder, a robbery.
2: Oh, sorry, I thought you said suicide.
3: No, they were supposed to make it look like a robbery. Oh. But so if they would have actually made it look like a robbery and stole stuff, yeah, you know, money or whatever. Yeah, they yeah. didn't steal anything. Not, not only that, if she would have, you know, destroyed the phone, and if he didn't die, because the detective, or if he did die, if he did die, because when the detectives were interviewing him. The whole time, she, you know, now knows that her father is going to be talking here in two weeks. Mm-hmm. And she actually asked the detective. Or she said, um, do you have to interview? Are you going to interview him as well? Type of thing.
2: <laughs> Don't tell my parents. Anyway, I wonder if she had them do this when she was not home, if that would have helped her.
3: This is kind of the twist that really drives this case crazy. She sits in prison. Now she never really admits to anything. I mean she she does If you watch the interview, it's just kind of, you know, she toes it. She, yeah, she toes the line a lot. A couple years later, she testifies in court herself. Now, a, a good thing a good thing to know about Canadian law is There's no cameras in court. You can't have cameras. You can't have cell phones. So they go back to the old drawings of the pictures Mm -hmm. and you can't actually see the court testimony, which I think is kind of good, actually, because then the case didn't blow up, you know, like Mm -hmm. freaking all over the place. Anyway, she says she first tries to kill her, get her father killed at his workplace for $1,300. However, then she changed her mind and she... Her father started being nicer to her, so she changed her mind. However, the guy that she was contacting, quote, homeboy was his name, with the help of her boyfriend, Wong, says that, well, you can't change your mind unless you pay a cancellation fee. (laughs) Just like a fucking... (laughs) It's
2: like a hotel reservation. (laughs) Interesting.
3: (laughs) She actually calls homeboy, tells her that she changed her mind, and now he's requesting an $8,500 uh, $8, cancellation fee.
2: What? <laughs> so
3: Hold she, up. so she's kind of like... That's messed
2: up that your cancellation like, no, fee is well. higher than
1: his fee to kill someone. <laughs> I guess we may as well go through with it.
3: What you're reading right now is from the Toronto Star, August 19th, 2020. This is what she tells the full court and all the jury, this is what her her what really happened.
1: I tried to have myself killed, not parents. Jennifer
3: Pan tells murder trial. She actually says, all right, she puts a hit out on her dad. She cancels it because she has change of heart. Then she puts a hit out on herself is for ten thousand dollars. Is this
1: validated in in the text messages? Okay. I was about to because I smell some bullshit. The text messages
3: Is the nail in the coffin that really? I mean, they're like, no, this didn't happen. But I mean, if there wasn't the text messages, because it's a really bold move of her. And for someone
1: who, you know, didn't go to all the schooling that she said she did, that is pretty smart. It is
3: really smart. And I thought of that too. She gets in front of the jury, which has never heard of this. They didn't know she was going to do this. And she gives this long testimony, I mean, hours about her old plan. She wanted to kill her dad, Tiger parents, because he was too hard on her. But then he, she changed her mind and then these cancellation fees. Then she's like, you know what? I'll just put the hit out on myself so I don't have to pay the cancellation fees. And, you know, I hate myself anyway. I might as well die. Anyway, before the hit took place, she actually attempted to cancel that on herself. But then the robbers came in and they didn't get the, uh, the change of
1: change. They didn't get her text message. They, they didn't get
3: that memo. Oh, we got to kill you now. Kind of shit. She must've run out of data <laughs> on those text messages. Cause she actually signaled them with the light. You can see that on the security camera, the, the light signals, which is kind of eerie her bedroom light signals. So she actually says that the hit was for herself but they came in. She tried to cancel it, but couldn't pay the cancellation fee. <laughs> and, <laughs> and That's the
2: dumbest shit I think I've ever heard. Yeah, in my Yeah, but entire it was life.
3: actually pretty smart to say that, though. And she said the reason she lied in the interview to begin with is because she was scared and yada 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 and all this stuff. But I mean, it was a it was a pretty a pretty uh, powerful thing to do. I've never heard of anyone do that before.
1: I mean, I, I, I will if it was if she didn't have all those text message
2: trails, that would have been a pretty genius move. I'm just wondering, though, if if she put out a hit on herself, like, this is a hypothetical question. If she put out a hit on herself and they went to pull it off, but were not successful, would would that person would the hit person be legally <laughs> responsible or no? Because she probably wouldn't press charges what like if they weren't successful yeah
3: are you asking for a friend (laughs) i don't know hello is this is are you a hit person can i get a (laughs) refund
1: here i was with a source someone who could potentially know the street ways and potentially help me in finding a way to commit suicide she tells the court i inquired about it i inquired how much it was to kill a person the person on the line, homeboy, said for a friend it would be 10000 to 15000 In one conversation, I said, I wanted it for myself. And the person on the other end was quite shocked. They're like, really? You want to kill yourself? And I said, yes, I do want to kill myself. They kept inquiring, are you sure you want to kill yourself? And I said, yes, I'm sure. It took some convincing.
3: <laughs> Fucking crazy. You know what's really fucked up? When her dad got out of the coma... She goes to her bedside, which the dad did not want to see her. She asked him for $1,200. For the fee? To pay off the the cancellation fee and shit like that. Because the the robbers, the killers, they didn't get anything. You know, now they're still trying to get the money. So what they were going to do, she was going to get this big life insurance policy. So she was going to be flush with cash and she just pay off the killers.
2: The audacity.
3: No shit, right?
2: So wait, hey, sorry, what I tried fuck? to have you killed. Can I have some money so that I can <laughs> cover that or is that not okay? So what did happen to the three
3: There guys? were five people all involved. Her, the,
1: the boyfriend, the boyfriend, and the, and the other guys. three,
3: yeah. which is crazy. because, And I guess this is a good way to not make it a case too expensive, but they all were tried together which is not good for, like, let's say the driver of the car, or not the driver, but the one that mm-hmm. didn't have a gun mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. whatever, or, or even the boyfriend, Daniel Wong, you know what I'm saying? Like, he wasn't he was even a, he there. He was a
1: conspirator. Exactly. Gotta.
3: But if they're all tried together, the uh, the sentiment is, oh, they're all equally guilty mm-hmm. type of shit. So they tried them all together. Jennifer Pan and her boyfriend Wong and David mavalgamum and one of the other guys, Crawford, they all received life in prison. Jennifer has a life in prison with a chance of parole within 25 years. The one other guy oh, that God. was a robber there actually got off completely scot-free because they all had individual lawyers at their at the trial. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of lawyers in that freaking thing. Mm-hmm. Every client had an individual one. The lawyer got really sick, like heart complications or something didn't go into it, but he actually almost died. So they had to pull him out, the the whole guy, and they never tried him again. They just- Oh, wow. I mean, yeah. I mean, they, they just labeled Call it as a, a mistrial. Yeah. yeah, it was really lucky. That's basically the Jennifer Pan story. Uh, It's a pretty large story, but that's kind of the slimmed down version. Kind of crazy. Wow. Tiger parenting.
1: I can't believe she has the option of parole, though. Can't you, though? In 25 years. I know it's Canada. God.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, it's just crazy because you try to kill your family and now your dad is testifying against you in court because you killed his wife. You know, and your mom.
1: I mean, can you imagine the poor brother, too? Like, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. How distraught he must be.
3: Oh, yeah. Anyway, that is uh the Jennifer Pan story. Pretty interesting. And that's Very for you, Lauren. Thank you so much. Thanks,
1: Lauren. Excellent story request, as always.
3: <sighs> yeah, so, and it, that story goes a lot deeper, but that's as far as I can go with it.
1: What's the other a- avenue Just.
3: Well, I could get into all the killers individually. Nah, you know, what I'm saying? It's
1: really about her. She was yeah. the hitman. Yeah, for that's why
3: I didn't I didn't want to confuse all that stuff with anyone else. And they're pretty much common thugs. The book does go into some detail about their home life and each one of them. It gets really confusing because there's a lot of players. Was the
1: book good? Would you recommend it? It looked like it was a, an award winning. Yeah,
3: it was really good. I did like it. It was like I said, a little long. It was like four hundred something pages. Mm, wow. But I mean it was pretty good. Mm. Thought it was pretty good. Especially if you don't know the stories. I, I don't like to look up the stories first. I just like reading it so I can like be shocked. Because mm-hmm. I had no idea that I mean I kind of knew a little bit about the story, but I had no idea that she actually told the jury that the hit was for herself. I mean, yeah. Fucking crazy. That is an interesting. <laughs> and it, that shit almost worked too. Yeah.
1: Well, if it wasn't for those Mendelic you know, texts and stuff like that. Metallic yeah. texts.
3: Yeah, and I mean, the detectives, kudos on them, because if it wasn't for those texts, I think it would have went a lot differently. And there's, I'm telling you, there's thousands and thousands of texts, and there's screenshots I can put on talkmore.com, and they're all in, like, really slang, like the, real slang, like, real slang, like, not even, like, rapper slang, but just, it, you can't even read it. Like, the the book has a translate, each one oh, of them. Oh, wow. E- each, like, word used. It's like real slang.
1: I uh, do you think they they were purposely, yeah, to purposely talk doing
3: that? Yeah, they're purposely doing it. Yeah, doing that on purpose. You know. Wow. But uh anyway. So that is the story of Jennifer Pan. I hope you guys like that. Um, that's for Lauren. She requested it on her forum, talkmer.com slash join, if you'd like to support us. And I see Jen requested some stories on there too. Some uh, Casey Anthony stories. I've been putting a lot of stories on there I'm requesting. I saw them. I want to do that one hitchhiker guy. Remember the homeless hitchhiker? Yes. I am going to do that story. Do it. I think he killed somebody, didn't he? With an
2: ax? I don't know. Anyway. Maybe it was the hitchhiker that my mom saw, the ghost. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Anyway, that is the story, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you haven't yet, subscribe on any podcast platform. We're also on YouTube. And you can find us on there. Be sure to subscribe. And my name is John. And until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people.
4: At Huntington, we've been asking ourselves can we make saving money any easier? And we think we've solved it. Introducing Money Scout it analyzes your spending habits, income, and expenses to find money not being used in your checking account, then pushes it to savings. Automatically, why would a bank do that? Just to help people thrive. That's how we reinvent banking. Huntington, welcome. Subject to eligibility, terms, conditions, and account agreements. Learn more and enroll at Huntington.com/MoneyScout.
0: There are so many reasons not to skip breakfast. So many savory, mouth-watering, tasty, delicious beyond all belief reasons. Actually, that last one was pretty convincing. Stop by for a McDonald's breakfast. Mix and match a sausage biscuit, sausage McMuffin, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Any two for just two bucks. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal.